Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello. Good morning. We got the, we got the loud section over here. I like it. Hey, good to see you. Happy Valentine's Day. You guys excited about Valentine's Day? Is anybody actually ever excited about Valentine's Day? It's kind of a, I don't know. Well, hey, we're going to jump into it, but we're going to invite our, our ushers to come up first and give an offering together. If you're not currently with a sweetheart, you could just use the money that you are going to buy something for them and you could put it in the offering. <laughs> Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you that it actually has uh, more meaningful roots than a lot of us recognize. Thank you for being our first last true forever valentine that loves us no matter what that has always loved us that will never stop loving us and we give you this offering and we just pray that it would go out into the world and it, it would it would spread the news about your love to people thank you for this place thank you for family thank you for friends for the journey we praise you jesus in your name amen amen, amen. amen. Well, hey um let's see how long is it um my wife and i next month we will be married 18 years right is that right hey i was right and uh, one of the things that I will never forget is we began attending the vineyard in Tri-County shortly after we were married, and uh, we were invited up onto the stage because they played the newlywed game on Valentine's Day one year. They invited multiple couples up, and people raised their hands, and we, we were married for slightly less than a year at the time and we went up onto the stage and mind you there they're like 12 to 1400 people in the room at the time and so we're just you know you're nervous you're in front of a bunch of strangers and we played the newlywed game where um, they just asked us a series of questions separately and, and tried to see if we had the same answer and I was pretty confident that we were we were gonna win this thing one of the questions was, on a scale of one to 10, how romantic is your husband? And so I was th I'm like, man, I'm, I really was thinking about it. I'm like, I don't want to give myself too high of a grade, but man, I, I think I'm an eight. I, I, I don't know how she wouldn't say eight. I do all kinds of romantic stuff. And so she comes out, they take off these, uh, you know, things where she, she couldn't hear or anything, and she writes down her answer, and they reveal them at the same time. Ryan, you said 
and eight for how romantic you are. Your wife said four. <laughs> and I mean, just, just the shock of, I'm like, a four? I'm sorry, my wife doesn't know how to play this game. How many of you are married in the room here? Let's see. Who has been married? Um, who, anybody a newlywed? Hands? Newlyweds? Oh, this guy right here. So. <laughs> well, let's go somewhere in the middle. How long have you been married? Let's say uh, zero to five years. How many? One, two, three. Five to ten? Couple back there. Some back there. About uh, 11 to 15. There you go. 15 to 20. 16 to 20. 21 to 25. Anybody? 21 to 25. I know we have some. Longer than that? Oh, good job. Congratulations. Who feels like maybe they've been married the longest out of anyone in this room? <laughs> Not just how it feels. Like you might have a shot at it. How long have you been married? 50. 50. Does anybody have 50 beat? I think 50 is the winner. And I have for you. A gift card to go and get a steak dinner. Congratulations. 50 years is a while. Today we're going to talk about Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about not just the day, not really the day much, much at all, but the, the reason for the day. St. Valentine's Day. When I was a kid, it was always St. Valentine's Day. We always said St. Valentine's Day. I notice now it's one of those things where it's just called Valentine's Day. This is one of the things that has happened uh, in culture over time. Just these little removals of uh, the... You know, the, the Christian heritage that is attached to most holidays or a lot of special things in the world where um, it, it's, it, it's just kind of one of those weird things. But it's St. Valentine's Day, and it's a day that celebrates uh, and remembers uh, a specific guy, St. Valentine. He was a real man, uh, and he was all about love, right? Actually not. Um, he was a saint. He was the patron saint of beekeeping. <laughs> he was also the patron saint of <laughs> epilepsy. He was the patron saint against fainting. They had one of those. And yes, he, he was the patron saint of couples and of happy marriages. 
Do you know the story of St. Valentine? Anyone? Well, to get into it, we're going to jump in with a little piece of scripture because I think it might help set the stage. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you had a wedding ceremony, it's possible that this was a part of your ceremony. The Apostle Paul uh, kind of laying down the truth of what love is. He says, love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part then disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, and I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then shall we say, we shall see face to face. And so now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. These three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love. St. Valentine was born about 210 years after Jesus' death. Uh, he was a, a priest who was living in Rome, and he was recognized as a saint by the Catholic Church. As I said, the saint of beekeeping, the saint of, uh, of epilepsy, the saint of couples and happy marriages. Valentine was a priest during the time when a guy named Claudius II was the emperor of Rome. Claudius II was a real dirtbag. No one liked this man. He was known as Claudius the Cruel. He tortured people, punished people for fun. Uh, he tried to just kind of suck the life out of every party. No one liked him, including Valentine. Now, Claudius had this dream of amassing the largest army. The thing was, at this time, there were no wars that were going on or anything like that, but he wanted to gather together the largest army and just use it for various things, go and fight uh, little wars that he was making up and yada, 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 and just hoped that the men of Rome would volunteer. They did not volunteer very much. <laughs> what turned out is that these guys didn't want to fight in wars that were about nothing. And ultimately, when they were questioned about it, they, they didn't want to leave their girlfriends and their wives behind. It wasn't worth it to go into this, this army that was for nothing. And so Claudius, he gets angry about this, and he decides that he's going to he has a crazy idea that, well, if, if they don't want to join my army because they don't want to leave their girlfriends or wives behind, I know what I'll do. I'm going to ban marriages. And so he puts a ban on marriage so that if people weren't getting married, then they'd be more inclined to volunteer for the Roman army. Claudius decrees there would be no more marriages and people lose their minds over it. St. Valentine thinks it's ridiculous. This was one of his favorite things to do as a priest was performing marriage ceremonies. And so 
secretly, he continued to perform marriage ceremonies. He just, he just did them quietly. Uh, he would whisper the words of the ceremony while he had people uh, listen for soldiers on the steps of the church to make sure that no one was coming and that no one knew what he was doing. Um, there's a, I, I have a photo of Valentine holding a scroll. This is one of the, the famous paintings of him. It says, and the spiritual life of Christians must now be conducted under the conditions of secular life. And he wrote about this, that it was essentially um, a, an institution that God had put together, marriage, that it had to be lived out still even under the conditions of secular life, that ultimately God's law was higher than the emperor's law. And so they decided that they were going to do these things in secret. We'll get back to um, St. Valentine's story a little bit later, but he leads us to a good point for today. As believers, we are people who should stand up for truth and proclaim the love of God no matter what. We should stand up for truth and proclaim the love of God no matter what. In Psalm chapter 40, it says, I proclaim, this is King David, crying out, writing, praying to God. He says, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I, I tell everybody I, I come in contact with about you. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I don't hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love or your faithfulness from the great assembly. Basically, he's one of the guys who anyone he comes in contact with. Do you know anyone like that? That anything you're talking, hey, where do you want to go to lunch today? And they're like, isn't the Lord so good? They always bring it around. That... He's always telling anyone he knows about the goodness of God, about the love of God. Now, sometimes it can be dangerous to stand up uh, against certain injustices or hatred or prejudices or, or just toxic environments. Sometimes it's difficult to oppose the world's view of things. I feel like we're in 2021. It's, it's more of this now than ever. It's, it's, less, it's less okay to talk about your faith. It's less okay to talk about your relationship with God in a public space now more than ever. Do any of you have a, a, a hostile work environment or even your group of friends or your family? Where they're like, oh, I don't want to bring up that. And it just feels like you're, you're not able to you're not able to express this thing that is hugely important to you. Sometimes it's difficult to talk about the truth of God's love. But that's one of the things that St. Valentine was kind of obsessed with. Telling anyone and everyone about the love of God. And that that's what we're called to do. In 1 Corinthians 1 it says in verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Have anybody in your life that 
just says this, this whole idea of Jesus is stupid. Just that it's, it's made up. It's a fairy tale. It's not real. What the word says is that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who don't know who Christ is, the message of Christ is foolish. And that that's what we're to expect. We're to expect that from them. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We're to expect opposition from the people who are unsaved in our lives. Our message is going to be foolishness to many of them. It's not always going to be easy to stand up for Jesus. It won't always be easy to talk about his love for you and, and the change that took place in your life or, or what, he's, what he's meant to you. But it doesn't give you an excuse for remaining silent. This is where the idea of the testimony comes in. The testimony of just telling that story and I, I can't tell you how many people I know that I made a, a huge impact on because they, they didn't want to hear they didn't want to hear Bible verses from me. They didn't want to hear um, you know the the information part of it. They didn't even think they wanted to hear my story, but I just told them I'm like it, it used to be this way. And then I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me in these ways. Here are things that he did that I no longer believe are coincidence. I saw him move in powerful ways. Things changed. I don't have this, I don't have this weight on me anymore that I, that I used to have. I don't have this feeling of meaningless anymore. I don't have this feeling of just... What's the point of all this anymore? I have purpose all of a sudden. And I just find that I've never met a person who doesn't deep, deep down crave purpose and meaning. And that there's more to it than this surface level stuff. And so instead of being one of the people who was complaining about what God hasn't done, and maybe you're in that camp right now. You're, you're a believer, and you'll, you'll tell anyone in the world, yes, I'm a believer, but you also have a lot of complaints about what God hasn't done yet. That, yeah, I just really wish you would come. I've been praying, but this never happens. And I'm telling you right now, something that will be way more effective to the kingdom of God is you beginning to tell a testimony about the things that God has done in your life. It will also be a value to you to start recognizing, wait a second, these are all the things that the Lord has brought me through, the way he's changed me, the prayers that were answered, and all of a sudden you start to see, man, he, he is for me and not against me. He does have my back. He does love me. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes this in Romans chapter 1. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. And he explains how boldness to proclaim that truth 
comes to us. In Romans 5, verse 5, he says, And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame. Like, hope is not disappointing. When you've been given hope, if you were ever a hopeless person and you were given hope, man, it is everything you signed up for. Like, it does not disappoint. It says in Romans 5, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. On that day that Jesus was crucified, it was the Holy Spirit and the love for Jesus that transformed this this group of scared little boys into a bold crew of gospel proclaimers who would go out into all stretches of the earth and tell the story of Christ. They weren't bold enough to do it before they recognized the, the way they were loved and before they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. According to history, every one of Jesus' disciples, except for John, ended up dying a horrible death rather than denying their Lord Jesus. Some of them were crucified upside down. Many of them were beheaded. Some were burned alive. And these guys went out into these dangerous conditions to spread the gospel, knowing the dangers that were associated with it and that they might be killed for their beliefs. And they said, man, it's worth it. The Apostle Paul writes a, a letter of encouragement to Timothy in the book 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, Therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Like recognizing that, man, if people are against you, it's like, uh, that's flattery. Like that's recognizing, oh man, this is, I'm doing something, I'm doing something right. Paul tells Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Tells him about the things that he might have to face. He says, share with me in the sufferings of the gospel. Not everybody that you talk to is going to want to hear about Jesus. (laughs) Some people might try to stop you from talking about it. Some people might decide to avoid you or stop being your friend. Stop calling, stop texting. Here's what I want to say as clearly as I can. Um, we as believers have a mandate on our lives to tell people about Jesus, to tell them about the things that God has done in our lives. Also, we should never try to ram it down their throat. We should never try to bash them over the head with Bible verses and get them to conform. Uh, it, it just doesn't work out that way. In John chapter 3, verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, like to judge the world, to say, Well, you, gotta, you better stop doing that. You need to get your act together. You need to come to church. 
God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Unfortunately, a lot of believers think they're doing it right when they are running around shaking judgmental fingers at people. I've never helped convert a single person. I just haven't. It hasn't worked yet. Certain verses come in at the, at the right time. The right opportunity opens up. You guys ever run into people like on Fountain Square or anything with the bullhorn? They're like, turn or burn! You're going to hell! I'm like, man, like, is this guy ever going to ask me and I can tell him I'm a pastor of a church? But he's just screaming at me, you're a sinner! <laughs> All right, buddy. Jesus loves those people so much he was willing to die for them. You're not going to convince them that the gospel is true or that God really does love them, though, unless they see at least a little bit of that love from you. You can't be like, the Lord loves you. (laughs) Love him back or you're going to hell. It's not going to work that way. All right, let's get back to Valentine, shall we? So one night, so St. Valentine's having secret church ceremonies, wedding ceremonies. Uh, They're listening for soldiers. Um, They're doing these things in secret uh, behind the emperor's back. One night, uh, Valentine does hear footsteps at the door of his church. Uh, They get busted. And the couple that St. Valentine was doing the marriage ceremony for, they end up escaping, but St. Valentine is caught during it. He's thrown in jail, and he's told that his punishment will be death. Now, one of the things I find out is that um, the emperor, Claudius, actually liked Valentine. And he was gonna try to let him off with some kind of a warning, but Valentine couldn't help himself And he had to tell the Emperor Claudius about the love of God and the goodness of him and try to convert Claudius to Christianity. And that kind of ended up backfiring and it sealed the deal on Claudius being sentenced to death. Or I'm sorry, on on Valentine being sentenced to death. St. Valentine leads us to another example that's good for all of us. That... It's better to die to yourself for the sake of others. In John chapter 15, it's one of my favorite verses of all time. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. When I meet with Uh, couples before I perform their marriage ceremonies, one of the things I ask a lot of times is, are you willing to die for for him? Are you willing to die for her? Pretty 90-something percent of the time they say yes. I've had some of them say like, I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't go well. (laughs) But usually they say, yes, I would die for them, of course. Of course, I'll lay down my life for the person that I love. A lot of us aren't ever going to have to face that situation or be put into it. 
But every single day we get put into situations and have opportunities where, honestly, we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to ourselves if we want to truly love that person that we love. We're presented with situations where um, we can sacrifice our wants and our desires for their wants and their desires. First John chapter 3 says this, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. It can just as easily mean placing somebody else's feelings above your own. It can just as easily mean, you know what? I don't like wearing masks. You know why I wear this mask? Because I'm placing other people's health above my own. Galatians chapter 2 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That selfish old me has got to die off. What if you tried this this year for Valentine's Day, something a little bit different? What if you sacrificed the stuff that you want for the stuff that your loved ones want? What would that look like? And so St. Valentine, at this point in the story, he's in jail. He's in prison. He's sentenced to death. He tries to stay cheerful. A lot of people come to the jail to visit him. He was a popular priest. They threw flowers and notes up to his window. They wanted him to know that they too believed in love and that what he was fighting for was worthy. One of these people who came to visit Valentine was the daughter of the prison guard. The prison guard, her father, allowed her to come and visit him in his cell. She was blind. She started conversations with Valentine. It says that they often sat and talked for hours. She believed that he did the right thing by ignoring the emperor and performing marriage ceremonies. At some point, St. Valentine heals her of her blindness, praying over her. On the day that Valentine was sentenced to die, he left her a note thanking her for her friendship and her loyalty, and he signed it, Remember Your Valentine. This note is the note that would start the custom of us exchanging love notes on Valentine's Day. Now, the story says that the two of them were good friends. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think they may have fallen in love with each other. We have no idea. But that note was written on the day that he died, February 14th, in 269 A.D. And now, today, every year on this day, people remember. Most importantly, they think about love and commitment and anyone who ever thinks about the Emperor Claudius and remembers the way that he tried to stand, uh, stand and block marriages, they laugh because they know that love, it can't be defeated. Love wins. God loved all of us 
enough to die for us. This St. Valentine loved God enough to die for his truth. And so this is the way that we celebrate Valentine's Day. You know, when, when I was a little kid, um, we would, you know, the, this, this past week, we, our, our youngest daughter made this really cool Valentine's Day box where they have the, the day at school where everybody brings Valentine's in. And uh, when I was little, it was a different system. It was basically like if you were one of the really popular kids or you were one of the really cute kids, you got a bunch of Valentines. And if you weren't so popular, you weren't so cute, you didn't get any. Or you got a couple. And so on that day, it was, it was either a really good day or it was a really sad day. God's love is is not based on popularity or, or cuteness. I want to close today in reading you just a few of what I believe would be Valentine's letters from the Lord himself. The one that's my favorite that boggles my mind whenever I read it or say it in my head John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world, and so just when you replay it in your head, say, for God so loved me, for God so loved me that he gave his one and only son to die, and that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loves me that he sent his one and only son to die. He loves you that much. Psalm chapter 36 says, O oh Lord, how precious is your love. My God, the children of the earth find refuge in the shelter of your wings any of you feel like you need to hide or find shelter from the world, you need to seek a safe place, there's an image of the Lord as a winged creature, just kind of pulling you in and protecting you. Psalm chapter 40 says, your merciful love and your truth will always guard me. Psalm 13 says, I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'll sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 19 says, The Lord came to my support. He set me free in the open and he rescued me because he loves me. Psalm 63 says, For your love is better than life. My lips will praise you. Psalm 86 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Romans 8 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, 
persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. No. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation would be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love is the greatest thing that we can possess as Christians, and it's the thing that will last forever. It's Valentine's Day today, but I just wanted to remind you that every day is Valentine's Day when you are loved by the Father the way that you are. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for those of us who have a honey of some sort. Thank you that you gave us that gift. Thank you that any time that we have ever loved them well, it's because of the way that you've loved us first. And I pray that anybody in this room who has never felt your love before, that they would come to know it right now, right in this instant, that they would hear your voice, they would feel your touch, they would experience your presence, they would just have a deep knowing in their soul that I am loved by my Father in heaven. I am loved by the King of Kings. I am loved by the Alpha and Omega. I am loved by the Lord God Almighty. He knows exactly who I am, all my secrets, all the things that I'm embarrassed about or ashamed of. And he loves me. He loves me. Some of you need to say that to yourself right now. He loves me. He loves me. You are loved by the creator of all things, and that's more than enough. God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you love every single person in this room. Thank you for being our Valentine. We praise you. We thank you. We love you because you loved us first. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, before you, before you run out of here with little hearts in your eyes,
an announcement that I would love for you guys to grab onto. We have some flyers out in the lobby today that are a pretty big deal. Um, we've been trying to figure out how to do missions during the time of coronavirus, and uh, we haven't been able to go to any of our normal places. And so we are beginning a new local mission. Uh, we have adopted the Mountain Crest Nursing Home as a church, and we've been talking with them about what their needs are and how we can serve this local community, and they desperately need clothes. They need clothing. They have a couple hundred residents who have not been able to get out shopping at any point. They're not having hardly any visitors whatsoever. And uh, when we visited, I mean, honestly, they're just wearing ratty, torn clothing. And they need clothes. And so we've put together a list of their needs. It's some specific things. Uh, if you're interested in partnering with that, um, there's a, a set of dates on when we're going to be doing things, but the biggest deal is over the next two weeks, we're going to be collecting clothing. Um, we're going to be putting things together. We're going to have to wash things and fold them and organize stuff and then deliver them. We have flyers out in the lobby that explain all of this if you want to get connected with it. Um, we really need your help to be able to adopt this nursing home and to show them the love of God. And so um, please, please help. Um, they have a table set up out there and they can answer any questions you have. All the info is on this flyer. Uh, thank you. I will see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.